Welcome to episode 353 of We Don't Die Radio. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the number one international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And a few brief announcements before we start. Just last night, I became the new host of a brand new show called Shades of the Afterlife on the iHeartMedia and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. It's a brand new network, and George Nori, the great host that he is, made an announcement about this new show, went out to several million people on over 600 radio stations. So if you'd like to listen, it's a great new show about the afterlife. You can go to iHeart.com and just type in Shades of the Afterlife and you'll see it. So I hope you'll listen along with that. It's a little different than this show. It's great things about the afterlife, but instead of just having one guest, usually there's a couple of topics. So you can find out the cutting edge information of what I'm up to. Also, our new calendar is up with courses, psychic, medium, uh, demonstrations we have, mediumship demonstrations, as well as offering a free Sunday gathering. Since COVID hit, my friends and I have put together a Sunday service online on Zoom, but doing it really embracing life and the afterlife. So at the end of every service, we have medium readings for the people in our online audience. So you want to go to wedontdieradio.com and you can click on the calendar link or the Sunday services link at the top of the, the page. Now let's meet our fantastic guests. Stephen Weber is the author of the Place Between Here and There, A True and Beautiful Near-Death Experience, which he co-wrote with Catherine Plant. Steve is a technology project manager, and with Kathy, they host successful workshops on The Place Between Here and There, accompanied by music and meditation. And coming to us today from Northport, Long Island, New York, I'd like to say, Stephen Weber, a warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so much, Sandra. It's such a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me. Oh, I'm thrilled. Congratulations on the book. And it's great because we don't know each other. We've never met, although you look very familiar to me. So I'd love to just hear a little bit about you and your story. You can tell it more than better than anyone. So if you don't mind, very share well. with us. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. The, the name of the book is The Place Between Here and There, and it's available on Amazon. And, uh, and it's a beautiful story about life and about the past possible afterlife. Um, if I was just to tell you a little bit about uh, the experience is that, yes. uh, is that I was, uh, I'm a biker. I've uh, been driving Harley Davidson's all my life. And uh, one Sunday afternoon, I was out for a ride and a truck made a left-hand turn and crashed right into the side of me. I was T-boned head on and, um, and I was gravely injured. I had a traumatic brain injury. I had a broken spine. My hip was shattered. My leg was broken. I had internal injuries. Uh, one of the doctors later told me that uh, usually this is an autopsy report and not a uh, medical record. And uh, so I was very fortunate to uh, even survived the initial crash. I was airlifted to Stony Brook Hospital, one of the premier trauma centers in the United States. It is, these people are just miracle workers. And, um, and I was put into emergency surgery and I was uh, out several surgeries. Uh, they had to stabilize me. They had to put all these rods and pins and screws together in order to put me back together. And then I was put in intensive care. And to, uh, and to the rest of the world, I spent three weeks in a coma. But in my body, in myself, I was in another place, a place that I call the place between here and there. Um, before I had this experience, I was a zero on the spirituality scale. It wasn't that I wasn't a good person. I, I was, but, uh, but I was just so occupied with life and just paying the bills and taking care of the kids and doing those things. I just really didn't think about spirituality at all. And, um, and, so, uh, and so this place that I was in, the first thing is I realized is that time didn't exist the way it is here. Time exists there. Time exists here, like as a 
water boiling on a stove or appointments in the future. It wasn't like that there. It was that there was no sunrise, no sunset. Everything was about the experiences, the experience of your life and the experience of being there. One of the first things I was taught there was the language of the universe, followed up by what they call a life review. And, uh, and if you like, I could, uh, I could explain a little bit more detail of uh, what learning the language of the universe means. Oh, absolutely. We have all the time in the world. You don't have to rush through. Um, I want to just ask, when, when did this happen? This happened in 2015. It was oh, uh, not long 20- ago. Yes, yes. And it's, uh, it's been a challenge, but I tell you, it's the best experience of my life. I wouldn't go back to a day before the accident for anything, because yeah. it has profoundly changed my life in such a beautiful and wonderful way. And that's the reason why uh, my love, Kathy, and I wrote this book to share this with people. But it's not a book just about the experience. It's about life. And it's about applying the lessons that I learned in the place between here to your life, to find peace and love here and in anything which may come after here. That's the message of the book. Life is good and people are good, even when very sad things happen. Oh, absolutely. You're, I'm with you 100%. I never would have thought I'd be on this journey. And as painful as these things are were to me, I would, I would do it all over again for the gifts and being able to share and make a difference. So let's talk about the coma, you're in it. Do you, could you just, was there any sense of, um, what, how do I even say this? I, I've talked to other people who have had near-death experiences and mm-hmm. they're all over the place, but it, sometimes it can be a little shocking that you find yourself in an alternative reality. Um, what was it like for you? What do you remember? Do you, you know, what were the, if you can recall, um, some of the initial thoughts before we get to and then you can maybe say how you got this wisdom. Very well. Is that um, I didn't know anything happened because the first place I was in was a work-like setting. There was nothing different except that I started to see people who I haven't seen in years and uh, in this work-like setting. And uh, But they hadn't changed at all since last I remembered them. And then I saw people who I saw yesterday. And of course, they appeared as I remembered them. And then over a period of time, what I started to see is I started to see the same people who I knew as perhaps middle-aged people. I started to see them as young people, or I started to see them as elderly people. I started to see people who I knew as being older as younger people. I started to see men as women and women as men. And I started to see the same people who I knew uh, in all different types of nationalities, all sizes and shapes and colors, everything. I began to see all the people that I knew in all different shapes and forms. And what I was being taught was how to see the spirit in everyone and everything. I was still able to recognize the people who I knew, regardless of the form that they were in. Your spirit is that part of you which goes on forever, which, which is supports the continuation of consciousness. And, and that spirit has never been born. It will never die, but it grows over all of eternity. And that's what I was being able to taught, taught to see. It's like the energy that you feel in people. Like that person has very good energy. That is all, that is the manifestation of that spirit. So the first thing as I was taught is how to recognize the spirit in everyone, regardless of how they looked. At first I needed to see the people and I'd look for little things to remind me of who it was. But after a while, I could just feel them and I could feel their spirit and I could feel their presence. And then the next thing that happened to me is I came to the realization that everything around me had a spirit, everything, not only people, but plants and animals and trees, the planet, the universe, everything had a spirit. And then I came to the realization that there was a similarity in all of these spirits, regardless 
of its physical incarnation. And I began to realize that we are all connected. We are all connected and together we make up one spirit and that spirit is the creator. The creator and the creation are one. Everything we see, everything we are is a manifestation of the creator. And that, and that really brought so much bliss to me because that I felt like I had value. I had value beyond Stevie Weber. I had a value as part of the universe. And the way that I would explain it is that all of us together, we make up the consciousness of the creator. In the same sense, you think of the cells in a body, the cells in your body, each cell has a different existence. It eats, it reproduces, it dies, it, uh, it has a life. But all of those cells in your body make up you, your consciousness. Each one of the cells don't have any awareness of who you are but all of the cells together make up the consciousness. And that is the conscious, your consciousness. And we all make up the consciousness of the creator. The creator and the creation are one. And this is one of the first lessons that I learned in that place. Well, that's a pretty big one right there. I'm trying to get my head around it while I get it, you know, internally get it. To rephrase it, I couldn't do it. And I think that and I've heard this before, once you cross over, you're in touch with such a greater reality that maybe our words can't really truly give it justice to the vastness that it all is. Is that true? Yeah, it is. But I think that uh, if I explain it a little bit more, it, it, it perhaps will, will make more sense because, because at this point is that I was feeling very blissful because mm -hmm. that all of a sudden, I felt at one with the universe, like, like I was part of something so much greater than myself. At this point, I didn't see any bright lights that I had to go into. Or I didn't see any lost relatives. It was, I wasn't aware that anything happened to me at all. Um, and uh, I was being taught the language of the universe, the way the spirit works, because the next thing that I was exposed to is what is often referred to as a life review. Okay. And that means is that I have an opportunity to review my entire life, not as if I was living it again and I had a chance to redo it. No, it was more like I was a voyeur and I was watching and I was feeling everything that I was feeling at the time. But now that I can see spirit and I could feel spirit in every situation is I felt what everyone else was thinking around me. And then all of a sudden, every situation took on a new meaning because everyone had their reasons for being at any different situations. And, uh, and I had my reason for being there. And so, and so I had the opportunity to review my entire life and to be able to see spirit and to fully understand all the things that have happened to me and the meaning behind that. And then when I was done with this life review, I was enlightened more. I saw more. I was, I was, I was more spiritually aware. And then what I would do is I would go back and I would review my life all over again. And each time this went over time and time again. Um, and each time I learned, I did my life review, I learned even more. And that enabled me to do my life review again with the improved insight. And I grew more from these life reviews over and over again. And I began to realize certain things. And one of the most important things as I learned is that my experiences in life are everything. Those are the things which you take with you. It's the only thing you take with you. And that's what you rely upon for your spiritual growth is by looking back at your life and, uh, and, and finding value, learning from the lessons in your life. That's what fuels your growth. And what's more is some of the most worst things that happened to me in my life, the worst were the things that drove the most learning, the most spiritual awareness. Those were the things that were most important to me. And, uh, and, so, and so each time I went through this life review, I had such a sense of bliss 
such a sense of bliss afterwards because I got this feeling that all of a sudden, knowing that my worst experiences were, were the best things for spiritual growth in my life, all of a sudden, I didn't have any hate or animosity towards anybody or anything, anyone who's done any bad to me in my life or what I saw as bad. I didn't feel bad about that anymore. I loved them and I loved the experience because that it brought me such bliss. But what's even more important is I didn't feel guilty. I didn't was I wasn't ashamed of anything that I did anymore. Not that not that it was any less impactful. It was that it was okay. Everything in life is a learning experience. Everything drives that spiritual growth. And so as time went, went on, is I just felt like I was so at ease. Imagine life if you didn't have any worries, you didn't have any cares, and all you felt was love and bliss all around you. That was the effect of the uh, life review for me. That's not too bad. I wanted to ask you, could you feel the perspective of other people? Yes. And I think that was the key with being taught the first lesson about seeing spirit. Because once I was in the life review, and now I was learned how to see spirit, I could see everybody and I could see everyone. I could see there's a duality to life. And, th and what I mean by, by that is that there's, there's the circumstances with, which brings people together. And, uh, and those are just surface. But underneath it all, there's a spiritual reason why people are here and why they're facing this situation because of their own spiritual growth. And once I was able to see the spirit, I was able to see past the physical reasons why people were in different situations. I saw their spiritual reason for being there and it made so much more sense to me and everything made sense. And what that really impacted within me is that is that I stop judging people, not because I'm so evolved and, oh, yeah, I'm not going to judge people. No, it was that everyone has their own life path. Everyone has their reason for being on earth, for being a human in a physical form. And you have to allow them, enable them to seek that out. Just because you've evolved and you've overcome those things, it doesn't mean that this other person on their path that they need to do that. And so by understanding the spirit, being able to understand what other people think and feel, then you really understand life. And through that understanding is where and how you receive this bliss. I know just being a human, it's very easy to make people wrong. <laughs> you know, we expect people to see our way. And there was a fortune cookie that I read once that said, um, the best place to stand in an argument is in the other person's side until we are on their journey, until we know their past and their pains and why people do what they do. Um, we have really no right to judge people because like you say, everybody is on their own. Yes. Their and own I would say, I would say definitely, we certainly don't have any right to judge anybody, but in the end, it's really about you're going to create blockages for yourself, for understanding, if you judge people, if you don't allow them or yourself to, to, to feel these things, to seek out their own destiny. The blockages are very important because you think of grief or regret or other things that, that, that you have, it prevents you from really looking inside the experiences and finding the lesson, finding the meaning to them, because you're so wrapped up in, in either your shame or what someone's done to you to make sense of it all. So, so really, to, the whole part of not judging people and seeing spirit and being in this frame of mind enables you to reduce those blockages. Because I would say that Guilt and ashamedness is one of the, the, the most terrible ills that, that face humanity mm -hmm. today, is that you have to be okay with yourself, with life, and that enables you to see value in yourself and to be able to use that sense of value to enable you to learn and grow and really achieve bliss.
Yeah. If we could use some of this right now, which I know is why you guys wrote the book, because I'm even thinking if we could take our emotions out of it and not have that guilt or shame and float above like 30,000 feet above where we are looking at this situation, well, maybe not that far because then we couldn't see, mm-hmm. but just to, just to look at the situation and, and look at the players involved and what could be the growth for the soul here? What is it that we're learning? And we'd have compassion for each other too. It's so true. And because that, but, but what, what I really, what we stress in the book is that, is that it's not about a guru sitting on the mountain mm. and like, and like I'm at one with the universe and, and no, the purpose of life is to experience life is to enjoy life and to find challenges in life. You know, you don't, your experiences are everything. That is what you take with you. You have to go out and experience life. Feel love, feel joy, feel feel everything because those are the most valuable things you can take with you because those are the fuel for growth. That is uh, when I was in the place between here in the first place in that work-like setting, that was so important because that's what fueled my understanding and enabled me to go to the next spiritual area where I was able to utilize some of these skills, which I have learned to, to really feel like where I was and to, uh, and to really make sense of things. Where did you go after the life review? Okay. So then the next thing I, next place, excuse me, the next place I found was, um, and I, I do want, want to mention one, one other really important lesson that I learned, uh, in the first place was that, was that no one was teaching, no one was like teaching me things like telling me, Steve, this is the way it has to be. It's that, it's that the way I saw the spirit, they didn't tell me about spirit in front of everybody is that they, they showed me all of these circumstances and I figured it out for myself. And what I learned there is that your inner teacher is your most valuable teacher. In fact, you only learn from your inner teacher. And so, and so one thing that I learned from that, that I carry with my life now is that, is that you have to allow people to live their life path. Like we talked before, and they have to learn these things for themselves. You can't learn them from books because the idea of learning it, experiencing it, gives you the wisdom to use the knowledge. That's very important because you can give a kid all this knowledge and give them no wisdom and and their life may be completely out of balance. You know, having the ability to learn stuff for yourself through your inner teacher enables you to make real use of of that knowledge in a wise way. And so so those, those were the most important lessons I learned in the first place. Now, in the second place is that I was put in charge of these young adults, these kids. And once again, it was another work-like setting. And I was to show them how to do their jobs. But they wouldn't listen to me at all. Zero. They would not listen to me. Anytime uh, I would meet with my, my spirit guide, who I thought was an owner of the place that I was working at, and uh, and. He, they would give me the instructions. I would go to teach the kids. They wouldn't listen to me. They would scatter. And I just couldn't figure out what was going on. And then one day, the, the spirit who I saw as my boss touched me as I saw something in, in, that, in that person. And I saw a reflection of myself that all of a sudden I realized that that person was was my higher self, that part of me that is always in spirit, and that the the person that Stevie is here is just part of your infinite spirit. Like your infinite spirit doesn't go on hiatus when you're in a physical incarnation. Your infinite spirit is always there, and just a part of your infinite spirit is brought into a physical incarnation. And the reason for that is to gain this knowledge, to learn and to grow and to add to your complete spiritual awareness. And so once once my higher self touched me and communicated with me, then everything changed. Then all of a sudden, 
I saw certain things. I saw that everyone or everyone there except for the kids had auras. I saw that the kids, I was very foolish, is that is that I saw them as kids. I was in this other place where they taught me how to see spirit, but I completely forgot about that. I just saw them as kids. But then when I retuned my mind and I saw the kids as spirit, that changed everything. And then they were listening to me. And then I finally came to the realization that I am not here to teach those kids a task. We, we talked about that, about the duality of things. There's a thing up front, but there's a spiritual meaning behind it. What I was really there for is to prepare these children for a human incarnation. That, wow. that, that they have never experienced human incarnation. And that was the reason why I was there, while I was being tested to see how well I've learned the spirituality and to see where my next step in spirit, was I going to stay in spirit, perhaps go on to being a spirit guide, or was I to return to my body or to a physical incarnation to learn more about spirit before returning to the spirit world? That was the reason why I was there. I was there to mentor these kids. And that also taught me something very important is that, is that your spirit has always been here but really, what it's saying is, is that your spirit evolves. It evolves over time. And that, and that each time you're incarnation, incarnated, whether you're incarnated as a, as a plant or as an animal or as a human, each time you raise your spiritual awareness and based upon how far you have grown is, is whether you're going to stay in spirit or you are going to or you were going to um, have a physical incarnation. And that's the reason why I was there to uh, train these kids. And this is a task I failed miserably at. And uh, it wasn't until with the help of my higher self that I was able to understand the situation. And once all of this came into view and I understood everything, then I went to the very last place in that place between here and there. Okay, go on. The last place. <clears throat> so, I just had to take a quick drink. Okay. No problem. So, so now, in the town I live in, Kings Park, is that there is this place which we call the Bluff. And it's where everyone goes at the end of the day. And, they, um, and they'll drink coffee or maybe they'll drink out of a red Solo cup <laughs> mm -hmm. and, uh, and watch the sunset. And so at the end of every day, and I use the day, the word day very loosely, is that, um, is that I would watch the sunset with these two fellas who I knew from town. They were in their 80s, uh, John and Joey, two old buddies of mine. And I would watch the sunset with them. And this went on, I couldn't count how many times, but it was definitely closer to infinity than it was to one. I mean, this went on. It was like such a regular part of the time I was there. I was in a coma for three weeks, but the time I was in that place, it was many lifetimes. I just had so many experiences. And up until the time where I was teaching, I was trying to teach the kids, I felt nothing but bliss. But I felt bliss after I learned the lessons with the kids. But but still, is that uh, is that up until that time is. I felt nothing but bliss in this place. And I would felt bliss when I would sit there with John and Joey and watch the sunset. But uh, this whole time is I didn't realize anything had happened, even though some strange things had been going on. I didn't understand I was in an accident. I felt fine. There was nothing wrong with me. I was walking. I was, I was living, you know, in every way, shape or form. Although some things happened that should have been like, you know, Steve, you, you're not, you're not, in thing, things are different. Right. Right. But, uh, but for some reason it didn't occur to me, but then one day when I was sitting there with Johnny and Joey and, and I was watching the sunset, I came to the realization that Johnny and Joey were both dead and they ah. had died earlier that year. And, okay. um, and, uh, John had a, uh, John was, was a great guy. Uh, he had diabetes and he had got septus in his leg and that eventually took his life. 
And Joey had lived his entire life with a broken spine. He had jumped off a diving board and uh, he walked around kind of like Frankenstein and he actually lost his life. A car had hit him. He probably couldn't turn and see the car fast enough. And when I came to this realization, I thought to myself, what? this can't be real. How can I be here? Like, like Joey and Johnny are here and... And I just didn't understand, like, all of a sudden, I was like, what's happened here? And so the next time I was there is I wanted to ask them why they were there. But for some reason, I didn't want to ask them why they were there. I, I don't know why, but I felt like it was something that, that, that you just didn't do. I just didn't know. But as time went on, I started to feel an increasing sense of urgency. And this is, I couldn't enjoy the sunset anymore, is that each time I would hem and haw over whether I should ask them or not, what are they doing here? Because I was starting to get a little frightened because that I knew they couldn't be here. And then finally, I just felt this sense of urgency building up that if I didn't ask them this time, I was never going to get the chance to ask them again. This would, would be it. So finally, I asked them. I asked them, what are they doing here? And they said to me that they are here to make sure that I'm all right. Hmm. But it didn't make sense to me because that I, I was all right. I didn't know, I didn't get it. And so as I sat there contemplating that, I watched the sunset and as the sunset, the sun got brighter and brighter and brighter and then I couldn't stand it anymore and I closed my eyes. And then, and then when I felt I could open my eyes again, I opened my eyes and I was in my hospital room and my mother and my sister were hanging over me. And, uh, and, uh, and that was my, my, my time in the place between here and there. But, but, but Joey and Johnny, that was very important because it wasn't until later on, my love, Kathy, um, she explained to me, she said, don't you think it's odd? that uh, Joey had a broken neck and you have a broken neck and a broken back and J Johnny was suffering from a leg issue and you your leg is all shattered. You know, what was all that about? And it's then I realized is they weren't there to make sure I was all right in that place. They were here there to make sure that I was all right here that they were my spirit guides, that they were going to help me through my rehabilitation. It's not like I heard them whispering to me or anything, um, but I felt this energy, this drive every day to get up out of bed, no matter how horrible I felt. And I was glad because I knew by the end of the day, I would be better. Kind of like my life review. Every time I started my life review, I knew it was going to be a rough ride. But by the time I was done with it, it was going to be, I was going to be in a better place. And that was really what drove me. It's like having Joey and Johnny as my spirit guides, um, uh, that, that, that that enabled me to progress and really rehabilitate myself that I could have a normal life. And, um, and that was, uh, that was my, my time in the place between here and there. And that's only five years ago, which is amazing. How well do you remember these details? Well, at first, um, at first it was very fresh, but, but, but then what, what happened is I got caught up in getting better mm -hmm. and that took up all my, my energy. Rightfully uh, so. <laughs> but, but I, I really so. was because I saw it as, I don't, I don't know. At the first few days is I was telling people about this and they just thought I was out of my mind. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's the drugs. And oh, yeah. And the nurses on the wards, they said, oh, yeah, people say that all the time. And uh, it'll go away after a little while. And so as people started seeing me, and it was what was amazing. I live in a town, uh, Kings Park, and, you know, everybody, they were just all the prayers and all of the, they cooked dinner for my family for months and brought it to the house and that all these spirit things and prayers and the, the church. Nice. And it was like, my town is like, it's just amazing place. If you're sick on a Friday night, on a Sunday morning, they're having a pancake breakfast to raise money for Aww. you just the way it is. 
You know, you know if, if you lose your wallet, your wallet will beat you home. I guarantee you, you know, it'll yes. be in your mailbox by the time you get home. It's just like that kind of a place. And so, and so I just got caught up in like getting better. And, uh, and Kathy, my, my, my love, she was a big part of my life. She helped me, uh, you know, she's like a, you know, dynamo. I mean, she really is like the energy energizer bunny on espresso. I mean, she really can, uh, can motivate you. And so, uh, so I was getting all better and I really hadn't thought about it too much. I kind of like wrote it off to it'll go away. And it was just the drugs or you hit your head pretty hard and that kind of stuff. And then it wasn't until about a year afterwards and I, um, and things were going pretty well. I had returned back to work um, and I was able to walk again. That was a big thing. I was in a wheelchair for a while and, uh, and I was getting better. I was, things were starting to come into play. And then one, one morning, one evening, I went down in my basement and I found my 20 year old son dead in my basement from a drug overdose, oh. an overdose. And, um, it was, I don't know. I, you know, you, you can't explain it. So I'm, I, I, I'm so sorry. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. And I, and I appreciate that. And, uh, and because my son was the light of my life, I mean, sure. I, I was a stay at home dad and, and I had sold my, my business so I could be at home and be the stay-at-home dad. All my friends were moms. I had no, I had no dad friends because I did all the mom things. I was, the, I, was, I was on the PTA. I was on the school board. I, um, I, I was class mom, class dad. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, and my son, I, I took him to lessons, piano and sax and guitar lessons. He could play the piano like Mozart. He could play the sax like Dizzy Gillespie played the horn. He could play the guitar like Jimi Hendrix. He was a championship wrestler. He was a New York State champion in wrestling. And he had a scholarship to a premier engineering university based upon his academics as well as his um, as his. Uh, as his uh, athletics and his music, you know, all of that. And to have all of a sudden this happen, it was, it was devastating. And I was just, I was just in this funk for such a long time. And, uh, and I just couldn't shake it because I just, I kept on thinking about, you know, what did I do wrong? You know, as a parent is that, is that, listen, I'm no saint, you know, you know, I'm a beer and hot wings guy, you know, you're human. On so many ways, I was example of what to do and what not to do in certain ways. But, but I felt like, was it me? You know, you know, what did I do? What could I have done better? And I would run that over in my mind over and over again. And I would feel just Dehabilitated, and I would think about all of the weddings and the grandchildren and the graduations, all these things that we wouldn't share together, and um, and it, it it consumed my life. And then one day I was out with Kathy, and Kathy said to me, "Had Nick tried to contact you?" And I thought to myself, "This woman's out of her mind." You know, I've known her for 20 years. She, she was me and her with class moms and everything. And, and I just like, she was out of her mind. What, what, what do you mean Nick contacted me? Nick's dead. Right. And she said, no, 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 you could have communication. And I was like, no, 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 no. And but next thing I know is Kathy uh, had me built a little shrine in the woods Um to my son, where, where we put a statue of St. Teresa there, and we got all sorts of rocks and, and pens. And so we wrote, you know, a prayer to my son, and she wrote some prayers to other people who were sick and wanted to get better. So we left the pen there. We left the rocks. Next day we came by, there was like 20 more rocks with 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 notes on it and prayers. Wow. This is what went on every day. And it such brought me such a love because that, you know, it's kind of like, like that song message in the bottle, like, like 10,000 bottles show up on the shore in a sense, like you're not alone in this world with, with, with these problems and other people have these problems too. Yes. And not being alone, like, like it really made a difference to me. It was really starting to, to feel better at things. 
And then, so what happened was, is that, um, is that my, uh, my, my cousin had gone to a psychic and the psychic said that Nick had a, had a synchronicity with St. Teresa. And it just so happens that our shrine, we, we put a statue of St. Teresa there and we thought that was nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I didn't think anything of it, but, but, but Kathy was, was like, well, see St. Teresa, the psychic says St. Teresa. And I was like, Kathy, come on. And, uh, and then, and then the psychic gave us a card, like a St. Teresa card to place at the shrine. And so we went down there before we placed it as I looked on the card and it said, St. Teresa's birthday was the same birthday as my son. And then I saw the day St. Teresa was canonized was the same day that my son died. Hmm. And I thought to myself, how strange is that? I mean, really? How strange is that? You know, and I started to think that perhaps there was something to this. And then I started to talk more to Kathy about, about my experience in the place between here and there. And she was telling me that I was nuts, that, that, that it wasn't the drugs, is that you, you weren't dreaming, is that you really were in this place where you learned all these beautiful things. And all of these beautiful things gave you the experience to experience this grief with your son and still be able to make sense and go on with life. But at that time, I just wasn't ready for it. Like like the door was opening up a crack and a little ray of light was coming in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and so I was starting to like feel better about it now because that now I had all these people who were sending love, the people in my town, the people in the shrines, and now the psychic and St. Teresa and the dates and everything. I'm thinking, and now Kathy's telling me that the place between here and there wasn't my imagination, that it really was a real place. And there's a purpose for all of this. And, uh, and it wasn't like one day I had an epiphany but each day I took a little bite at, at what was going on. And I thought to myself, is my son in that place where I was? It's kind of like a, what would Catholics call a purgatory, but without the punishment. It's like a preparation for the afterlife or for returning back to earth. I remember how blissful I felt there, how wonderful it was and how I didn't want to leave. I really did not want to leave. I wanted to stay there. I knew my place was here. I wasn't given a choice to leave or stay or anything. But but after I came back, I told many people that I wanted to go back. I mean, the first few days is that, no, no, I really, I wanted to go back. But I started to think that maybe my son is in that place. And he is experiencing the things that I'm experiencing. And he is getting in contact with his higher self. And perhaps he's returned to his higher self because he isn't coming back like I did, at least not now. And that, um, and that perhaps we will see each other again, maybe not even in our human form, maybe in our higher selves and we'd see the true nature of all of us and why we're together and why we're having this experience, why we are all on this mission to be part of the creator and all that is, you know, we'll have that opportunity. And it wasn't in one day or one month, but over a period of time, I began to come to the realization that it's okay. Just like in that other place where some of the worst experiences in my life were some of the best things, the things that I learned from, you know, I wish my son was here and I grieve for him every day. Of course. But I'm okay. Is that is that knowing he's in that place, all of a sudden took away almost all of the grief. And what that did, it gave me back my son. Because before any time I thought of him, all I thought was his death and the circumstances surrounding it. I didn't think of any of those wonderful times we had. I would meet our friends, like like people, like he was on football teams and wrestling teams. I'd meet the parents. They wouldn't wouldn't tell me about their children. I would have to ask and still I'd have to pry it out of them because that they just felt bad. Because that at all the happy times we had is that his death took away all that happiness. And now having the opportunity to really feel, to be free from that grief, I got my son back because now when I think of him, I don't think of 
the circumstances of his death. I think of all the happy times we had, all the championships, and we used to play guitars together, me and him, and, and we would do all these wonderful things, and, and, so, and we had great friends. And see, that's what I have back now. I've lost that. And by understanding the true nature of life and the universe and why we're here and the purpose of it all really, really brought me peace here as well as there. And I know that's the gift you and Kathy want to share with people. So people don't necessarily have to have a horrendous accident, go into a coma, have a near-death experience. And all of this, it is to learn by what you have gone through. And I can tell you, Steve, I have grieved deeply. And it takes a long time to go through. And even with all I've known, it's tough. And I know people very often who don't have any knowledge or belief of a bigger picture or the other side can die inside. And they're they're walking zombies. They could be here 30 years after the loss of a loved one. And they're dead inside. And just hearing your voice, the power of your words, your voice, 2015, 16, that is not long ago for you to be where you are now. So there is definitely something that's happened and something good about really you being able to recall the happy times, put this in perspective with the bigger picture of your experience between here and there. So thank well, you for <laughs> learning you. those lessons really well, and sharing well, them. Well, you, you departed loved ones. They want you to be happy. And remember, we were talking about blocks before. And if you feel this tremendous sense of grief in the same way that that all I remembered was my son's death and not all the happy times, what caused that? It was the blockage of my grief and my guilt that I felt like, what did I do wrong? Those things created blockages that prevented me from having my son back. And you see that, that, that in order to really reconnect with your lost loved ones, you have to let it go. And you have to understand that, that they are happy. They are truly happy. There's a continuation of consciousness. I've seen it. I've been there. I've experienced it. There is it. And it's a beautiful place. And it's not just about clouds. It's about clouds and angels and harps. And it's nothing like, like that. In fact, in many ways, you wouldn't even at least my experience was, is that you wouldn't even think you were someplace else, except for your state of mind and your state of being. And that's what I was able to bring back through, through this experience. And so if I was to say to people who are grieving, is that, is that you have to stop grieving in, in your own time, in your own way. And, uh, but once that happens, you'll have your loved one back because you'll, you'll be re-in-touched with all that you were together, and you will be together again in the not too distant future. For us, it's a long time. For them, it's like a blink of an eye. Second, a blink of an eye. Absolutely, and grief is a process. We, we, I've I've written a lot about grief and studied a lot about it. And there's a biological thing our we have to go through mentally and physically, yeah. but there are things we can do. Certainly, we can do to ease the pain, put us in a better place and going down the tunnel of guilt and regret and replaying things is not the way to do it. Catch yourself in the act, but put in a happy time, put in something you're grateful for. Listen to, read a good book, listen to laugh. a good show, laugh um, and can help you move through it. I remember so, the first time I laughed, I was, I felt guilty. Yes. I, I felt guilty. The first time we had like a birthday party, I felt terrible about it. You know, those, those are all the things you go through while grieving. And like I said, it wasn't like I had this epiphany that all of a sudden everything was okay. But 
I took little bites of it. Sometimes you just can't take take something all at once because it's too big. Sometimes you just have to nibble at it and just take little thoughts and 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 you get into a good place, then the bad place starts sinking in. And so you, you, you put it off till, till later. I'll pick this up next week. You pick it up again and you deal with it a little bit more and you just take little bites. And like the saying, grief is a process. You can't rush it, but but you can't let it be your life. No, correct. Because there is beauty all around you, people will laugh again. And those departed loved ones are in a beautiful place. And you'll be there too someday. And you will be happy and it will be beautiful. So we're nearing the end of our time, but I want to talk about the book. And congratulations, it's now published in Spanish. So that gets to a whole bunch more people. We've only spoken for an hour. I know there's a whole bunch more in the book, but why did you and Kathy really feel that you needed to write the book? What can people get out of reading it? Well, well, first off, I was very, um, I was very reluctant to write the book or even do any, or even share the experience because I felt there are professionals who, who studied years and years on this thing to counsel people or, or gurus and psychics. Right. What makes you the expert now? Yes. And, or, and I always felt to myself, the only thing that qualified me is that I survived. I did nothing. Mm-hmm. I, all I did was survive. And, uh, and uh, it was over a process and my love, Kathy, prodding me about it. But we actually, we had this lovely 85-year-old lady who was uh, in our yoga class and she wanted to go to this spiritual retreat. She couldn't afford it. And, um, and so, uh, and so we, we kicked around some ideas about raising some money. And then finally, I said, how about we'll do a workshop on the place between here and there? I'll tell the story. I'll bring my guitar. We'll sing some songs and we'll put together a workshop and, and we'll collect money from everybody. And little did I know, uh, the whole place was packed. We raised $2,000 and we were able to uh, send uh, this beautiful 85-year-old lady to this beautiful spiritual center. And it was just a wonderful thing. But for months afterwards, people would write me letters and stop me and talk to me about it. And I started to realize that that even though, you know, I wasn't an expert, <laughs> I did have this experience and it could bring peace to people. And, uh, and that's what caused us to write the book and share this experience. And uh, in this short time that, that we've had, you know, I've only touched on these things very, very briefly. And some of them are so extreme. It's like in your face, it's tough to absorb at once. And, uh, and usually I do the interviews with my love, Kathy, and Kathy really puts uh, more, <laughs> excuse me, more humanistic terms to things. But, um, but, but that's the way the book is. Both Kathy and I have a narrative in the book, and it's about life. It's a happy book. It is not a sad book. If you're feeling bad, no, this book will brighten your spirits. It's this wonderful journey about, uh, about going through the place between here and there, coming back, the rehabilitation, the struggles with grief, the, the spiritual ascension, but really it's how it applies to your life, how to make your life better here and now. You know, that's the message. It's not about a guru sitting in the mountain or you're a spiritualist, so you can't go to the ball game and drink beer and have a, you know, have a good time. It's no, no, it's not about that. It's about living a normal life and having as many experiences as you have and to find love in your life, to find love and happiness in all that you do. You know, so many times one's prison is bars of their own construction. You know, they really aren't there unless you put them there. And it's just the way you look at life and look at things. And, uh, and then it is that the spirit world is a part of your life. And it does reach out to you, especially through signs and synchronizations. And we talked about the signs, the St. Teresa's signs and the synchronizations that we receive. The, uh, the, the spirit world, it gives you guideposts in which to help with your life, not to avoid things, but to help you deal with them and make the most out of them. So look for those signs. And we give many examples of different signs that we received. And one of the most lessons that we learned from that is when you do receive a sign, Part of you is to say, oh, wow, you know, I saw a hummingbird from grandpa or, or something, you know, you know, I saw, uh, you know, 
dad keeps on turning off the computers or, you know, they, they, people see different signs based upon their personal situation. And there's a tendency of saying, wow, you know, so-and-so is communicating with me. And that's important to recognize the signs. But once you recognize the signs, find the meaning in them because there are those guideposts to help you guide through those things. So what we try to do in the book is we try to tell the experience in a very fun way. Kathy has a wonderful narrative. She picks on me the whole time trying to get these things through my thick head and I'm very stubborn throughout the whole book. And it's very, very true. And uh, we have pictures about it, but it's also about living a happy life, but it's also connecting with your spirit, connecting with the spirit world through meditation and sound healing and other meditative practices as part of your life in the same way exercise is. You exercise, I mean, hopefully everyone exercises a half hour, an hour a day, your physical body, but exercise your spiritual body too. Meditate. Think about things beyond your four walls. Think about the meanings and things that have happened. Don't always think about your future. Or when you think about, think about your past, but when you do so, don't think about it with sorrow. Think about it as your own life review, separate from ego. That's, that's what, what we're trying to communi- communicate in the book, is that there's a physical world, there's a spiritual world. Both of them are here. Both of them are part of life and to make the most of it. And it's a happy book. And that's a good, good background on it. Oh, Stephen, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you. I appreciate the time. I, 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 uh, you know, we are available. The book is available on Amazon and we do our email address is info, I-N-F-O at between here and there.com, excuse me, dot org. So it's info at between here and there.org, or you just, you know, go online and uh, Facebook and type in between here and there and just look us up. But, but the email address is great. We have a YouTube channel, Facebook. But but if you if you have any questions, just send us an email. We we do our best to answer everybody. We both Kathy and I, and uh, and we literally get many many emails a day. And it's just it's the purpose of the book isn't the book. The purpose of the book is to spread the love and spread the message. And that's what what we're here for because that's that really does truly bring us bliss. And you find in your own life, the more you help others, the more blissful you do feel. And that's, and that's what we're here to share. Very, very true. Well, a few announcements, and then I'll bring you back to, for some, just to say goodbye. Um, First of all, thank you for being our guest today. And I know from our listeners that these conversations make a huge difference in people's lives. So thank you to you and Kathy for doing all that you've done. And for our listener, thank you for taking the time to listen. Um, You may or may not know this, but all past episodes are available at we don't die radio.com. And this is now 353 episodes. I can tell you the last 100 of them are available on your favorite podcast sites. They're also all on YouTube. If you're new to the show, I welcome you to join what I call the Insiders Club. It's a little pop-up box when you get to the website. When you do, you will get a free copy of my book. It says only the first few chapters, but it's actually a PDF of the whole book and a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief. If you'd rather an audio book, if you go that we don't die radio.com, click on store, scroll down to the audio book, just use, use coupon code free, F R E E. I don't want anything to stop you from the valuable information. And um, yeah, and that's a little bit about me. And I said at the beginning, we have a new calendar on that site. We've got many free online events, as well as now we're doing online courses and demonstrations, and especially our free Sunday service. We call it the Sunday Gathering, guaranteed to inspire. And if you're looking for some friends that speak the same language, and you're on Facebook, you can type in We Don't Die Listeners, as it's a great place to meet people and share these kind of subjects. So anyways, one more time, Steve, thank you so much for being our guest today. 
Thank you. It's It's been a pleasure. I also wanted to mention on November 7th in Long Island at the Long Island Healing Arts Center, Kathy and I will be uh, giving a talk on our book and we're going to bring our gongs. We're going to do a sound healing and I'll do crystal readings for people. So uh, so if you want to come down and meet us, uh, perhaps uh, get a signed copy of the book or just enjoy a beautiful sound bath on a beautiful fall Long Island day, please do. It's a Long Island Healing Arts Center in Huntington, Long Island. Oh, thanks so much. And now it is possible somebody's listening to this in the year 2024. So <laughs> 2020. <laughs> Thank you. No, you know what I'm saying? People, yes, YouTube, YouTube and these things will be out forever. Yes. But you can go if you're on Facebook, type in the place between here and there, and you'll be able to find out where Steve and Kathy are. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I'm always so happy to be your host on the We Don't Die Radio. I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. Now, like Steve said, experiences are everything. So remember that in the good times and the bad, and it's never too early to do the little life review, have some compassion for your fellow traveler, and not be judgmental. So you're a beautiful person, you're a beautiful soul, there's only one of you, and you are special. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.